Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Thank you, Lucy, very much indeed. Brilliantly read. Um, as Lucy said, that's quite a, a long reading. You'll be relieved to hear the sermon is going to be short. Um, but let's pray before we come to look at these words. Almighty God, we come humbly before you this morning. Open our eyes again to the truth and the wonder of who you are. The one whom we worship. Thank you for your word and we pray, Jesus, bring these, live, these words alive to us today. That we would meet with you now, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, um, I think this is the last time I can say it, but Happy New Year to all of you. Uh, especially those of you who we perhaps didn't see last week. And welcome to any of you who are new here today and those of you who are regulars. It is great that we can gather again as church, remembering that a year ago we were all still locked away at home. Um, so welcome to you here, welcome to those of you watching online. We're in a series on worship, and I want to begin this morning with a question. Have you um, recently or ever been speaking to someone, and as you're speaking to them, you realise you're not entirely sure who they are. There's a couple of nods. I find this happens to me quite a lot, and it may be um, a sort of an occupational hazard as a vicar, I don't know. But I was remembering the first time this happened to me was on the 7th of December, 1986, and I was 13 years old. And I was with my best friend called Richard, and we were going up to London. We didn't live in London, but we were going to London with his family. And uh, on our way up, just as we entered into South London, we stopped at a restaurant for lunch. And as we walked into this restaurant, uh, there was sort of a, a few voices who were quite excited and pointing into the corner of the restaurant. And uh, Richard's parents also started to get quite excited. And they turned to Richard and said, why don't you go and ask for his autograph? Uh, and Richard sort of looked and was a bit nervous and said, I, 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 I just don't want to do that. And so his parents looked to me and said, David, would you be willing to go and get this man's autograph? Now, I looked over at the corner of the restaurant and I didn't have a clue who this person was. So I said, sure, I'll go. So I walked over to the table and just before I got to the table, two very large men stopped me and put their arms out. They were security guards. And uh, so I stopped. But the man who was seated at the table looked at me and he beckoned me forwards and he tapped on the seat next to himself for me to come and sit down. So I sat next to him. And we spoke for about five minutes, I think. I say we spoke, he spoke. And what I remember was two things. One was his, his kindness to allow me to come and sit with him for a few minutes. But also, the size of this man's hands were extraordinary. And just at the end of our time together, he pulled out a pen, 
and he scribbled a little note that I still have that says this. To David, service to others is the rent we pay for our room here on earth with love, Muhammad Ali. (laughs) Now, um, I had no idea who this man was. And as I walked back to Richard's parents, uh, they said, did you get it? And I said, yes, I did. In fact, he gave me about six copies of his autograph. And, um, and they said, do you know who he is? And I was like, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> they're like, Cassius Clay, you know, Rumble in the Jungle, the man who called himself the greatest. And I was like, I really have no idea who this man is. Totally ignorant of who I just met. And in a very sort of similar but different way, the Samaritan woman comes before Jesus at the well in Sikar and has no idea initially of who it is that she is meeting. The one who is the greatest. Not just the one who calls himself the greatest, but the one who is the greatest. Now, there were a few reasons why she was struggling at the time. There was a lot going on in the life of this Samaritan woman. She had hurt and pain in her life, and she'd been totally pushed away by everyone in the town. Part of the problem with the human condition is that we divide and put up walls between us. In fact, Dave mentioned division in his prayer just now. And we divide over so many things, don't we? Ever since the fall and the Tower of Babel, we have divided over language and race and gender and status and wealth. We've even divided God's church. And most recently, we've even divided over Brexit and over our attitude to vaccinations and wearing these ridiculous things. I say they're ridiculous, they're important, but you know what I mean, the division is ridiculous. And so the Samaritan woman came to this well and she was totally suppressed by the barriers that had been put up between her and everyone else in the town. And in her life, according to everyone else in Sikar and in first century Palestine, there were a number of issues with this woman. And the first, shamefully, is that she was a woman. And so, for a Jewish man, there was no way that he was going to be allowed to speak to, never mind have a meaningful conversation with a woman. But beyond that, she was also a Samaritan woman. And there was a huge division between Jews and Samaritans. And that lots of people looked down on the Samaritans. But to make it even worse, she had had a very difficult past. She'd been divorced a number of times and she was now with a a man who wasn't her husband. And so as she came to the well, and I now need my prop, please, if that's all right. I've got an amazing assistant who's going to help me. She came to the well, not with a sun in a mask, thank you very much, but with something that looked a little bit like this, a water jar, although hers was probably pottery rather than metal and would have been a bit bigger. But she came to the well with something that looked a bit like this. She not only came with her jar, this jar represents the guilt and the shame that she was carrying in her life. 
Now, I know some of you have got some plasticine. Some adults may have plasticine as well. My challenge to those of you who have got plasticine is you've got to make something that looks like this. On your marks, get set, go. I'm going to leave that there, somewhere, there. So she approached this well with her jar, but with guilt and shame in her heart. And as she approaches this well, a man asks her, will you give me a drink? And she says, you are a Jew to Jesus. I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? But she was about to find out that this was no ordinary Jewish man. Jesus is far more than just a Jewish man. And I love this meeting between Jesus and the Samaritan woman because it reminds me that Jesus sees not only our pain and our hurt and our brokenness, but he sees right beyond that to what is going on in our hearts. Jesus knows you intimately. He knows everything that is going on in your life right now. In fact, he knows you better than you know yourself. And so as Jesus meets this Samaritan woman, he knew that she was thirsty for a drink. But more than that, he knew that she was thirsty for what he would call living water. A gift from God. Living water that would lead to eternal life. And so Jesus speaks directly into this woman's life and he tells her what she already knows about her relationships and her past. And she's amazed. She cannot believe it. She says, I can see that you're a prophet. But this Jewish man is even far more than a prophet. Jesus is reaching right into the heart of what is this woman's greatest need in her life. And the Samaritan woman then starts to talk about worship and she speaks about Samaritan worship on a mountain and Jewish worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus replies saying, it's not about a place. True worship is about who we are focused on as we're worshipping. True worship is about what is going on in here as we are worshipping. True worship, as we just heard read in the message version of this passage of scripture, is about who you are and the way you live. Jesus says he's looking for those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. You see, God doesn't need our worship, but he does desire our worship. He doesn't need our worship, but he desires our worship. He desires your worship. Why? Because God is love. We read in 1 John. God is love and he's shown his love through sending his one and only son into this world that we might live through him. And as we receive this fullness of life, this living water, our response 
is praise and thanksgiving and adoration at all times, in all places, throughout our very lives, every day of the week, every moment that we are alive. Now at this point, the Samaritan woman doesn't still quite understand who it is that is standing before her. And she says, I do know that the Messiah is coming, but when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. And Jesus then reveals who he really is. I am he, he says. I am the name of God given over 300 times in scripture. Jesus is saying he is God. He is God incarnate, God in human form. He has come to this earth to reconcile us with the Father. And he says you don't have to wait any longer or look any further to this woman. His invitation is this. If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, says Jesus, you wouldn't be asking for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. Jesus is inviting this woman, but also you and me today, to come to the Messiah and to receive fresh living water. Life in all its fullness. And it comes as we trust in the Messiah. The one who came to this earth for you and me. The one who came to break down the greatest barrier of all between us and God. And when the Samaritan woman finally sees who Jesus really is, she runs back into Sikara. She can't believe it. She rushes around telling everyone, which is why we're encouraging you to go and at least invite people to Alpha to hear the good news of Jesus, to meet Jesus. She tells everyone in the town, this is who the Messiah is. And we read that many turn to him and are saved and they see that Jesus is the saviour of the world. But as the woman left Jesus, not only did she leave her jar behind, but most importantly she left her guilt and her shame. And in that moment, Jesus gave her new life. And this is what Jesus wants to do today for you and for me. We're going to share communion now. And this is our opportunity as God's family to come before our Lord, to worship Him, to thank Him, as we lay down whatever it is that we're carrying. We had this sense this morning as we were praying, some of us are heavily burdened. Guilt, shame, fears, pain, whatever it is. I want to encourage you as you come forward for communion this morning. 
to remember that transaction that took place between the Samaritan woman and Jesus. To remember the transaction that took place on the cross as Jesus died for you. And to remember this morning that Jesus wants to lift those burdens from you. And to give you new life, fresh living water that you too, like that Samaritan woman, may walk freely and go out from here and tell everyone about Yeshua, the one who saves, the one who gave his life for us, the one who sets us free. You know, as I reread this this week, I was reduced to tears thinking of what God has done for me in my life. And he's done it for you too. May we never lose the wonder and the awe of what Jesus has done. I will praise him every day for the rest of my life. This is what worship is. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, then I would love to pray for you. And as we receive communion, I'm just going to stand at the back by that prayer sign. And if you're feeling God wants to come and reach out to you and save you today, I'd love to stand with you and pray for you. So let's just be still for a moment now. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this amazing encounter between the Samaritan woman and you, Jesus. Thank you that when the whole of the culture said, don't go near her, you went straight towards her and offered her living water, new life. Thank you that when the world said that she was a reject and an outsider, that you welcomed her and lifted her burdens from her and gave her new life. Thank you that that's what you've done for me and for each person here. And so as we gather now around your table and remember your sacrifice and the promise of your return. Lord, lead us into that place of worship, of praise, of thanksgiving that consumes every part of who we are and what we do and how we think and how we live. We reach out to you today, Yeshua our Lord and our Saviour. And we praise you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.